I knew the Lord 
streaming. May God bless you as well. The anchor holds. The anchor holds. Though the ship is battered.
for an anchor. Amen. Get tossed about on the seas of life, but that anchor there to hold you, keep you anchored to the rock. Amen. Let's try Waymaker. <clears throat> you are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. Working in this place, I worship you, I worship you, you are here, moving in our midst, I worship you, I worship you, you are here. I worship you, I worship you, oh, but you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you
Anytime, any place, anywhere. 
of that here. Amen. We have a couple specials this morning. Sister Promise and Brother Uriel this morning. I didn't know Brother Uriel sang. He's been keeping that a secret. God bless you, saints. Please sing along with us if you know the song. Table. 
God bless you. Amen. Appreciate that. We do have so much to thank him for, don't we? Amen. Sister Frankie, is she back there? Sister Frankie has a song for us this morning.
If you knew me then, you believe me now. You turned my whole life upside down to the old and he made it new. That's just what the mercy of God can do. Now I'm alive to tell the story how I've overcome. It's His goodness and mercy and the power of blood. I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done. It's His goodness and mercy and the power of The choices made that I regret, oh, I would still be lost, oh, but for the mercy of God, now I'm alive to tell the story, how I've Blood of Jesus. 
beautiful song, beautiful words. Surely I should probably be six feet under all the stuff I did, but thank God for his mercy. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Amen. We'll go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer at this time. If we could remember Sister, Sister Joan, some of you saw that she uh, had got salmonella earlier this week, and so she's, she lost quite a bit of weight and just been very sick, but she said that she is regaining her strength, so we're thankful that the Lord has touched her, just believing this morning the Lord will give her a special touch, and she'll have her strength renewed to where it needs to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. I never heard an update on Sister Shone if she had her surgery or not, but let's just continue to remember Sister Shown, Sister High as well as she's traveling uh, in Korea, the Lord will just guide her and protect her and let her be a light unto those over there in Korea. Amen. Brother Kevin, if you could make your way up here this morning, I'd appreciate it. Take us to the Lord in prayer. As always, we hold our pastor up in prayer that the Lord will continue to strengthen him and his family as well. Amen. Anybody have an unspoken request this morning? Saints, I want to personally thank each and every one of you had a part to play in Kyle and Ashley's wedding. It turned out perfect. Uh, the Lord was in it, I know, and I thank each and every one of you for giving your time and your effort to put forth to, to make a successful day for them. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, it's truly a privilege, Lord, to be in your house this morning, Lord. Lord, we are recognizing there's a higher power here than we are, Lord. Because we have brought you with us, Lord, as we come through them back doors, Lord, oh God. There's a life within us, Lord, that, oh God, if, if you could just, oh God, just open us up, Lord, you will see the love of God in each and every one of us, Lord. I've seen it yesterday, I've seen it this week, Lord, of your powerful love through your people, Lord. Sometimes, Lord, we think you're supposed to come down and do this and do that. But, Lord, oh, God, you'll give us hands. You'll give us feet. You'll give us a mouth, Lord. Oh, God, to do your work, Lord. And I've seen it done in this church, Lord, many, many times, Lord. And it just humbles me to be a part of this, Lord. You know my heart, Lord. You know everything about me, Lord. You, you know, Lord, it's a privilege to be a part of this people. No doubt what we go through, struggles through life, Lord, but, oh, God, there's a, there's a refuge in this place, Lord. When, you, when we meet together, Lord, oh, God, that's why it's so important to come to the house of God because we draw strength from one another, Lord. We thank you, Lord. I, I, my mind, I'm, I'm a simple person, Lord, but my mind was thinking yesterday. I remember when I was a kid, they were at an electrical race car track, and you mash the trigger in that race car. If you go too fast around the curve, it'll, it'll come off the track. But, Lord, oh, God, I know that these people are here to put each and every one of us back on track, Lord, to keep on this firing line, to keep on this race, Lord. It ain't who the fastest is, Lord, but it's the one that has the endurance to, to see it through, Lord. So if we could just call upon your name to help us this morning to, to give us the strength, Lord, to give us the, the knowledge, the, the willpower to keep pressing on, Lord. Oh, God, there was a wedding yesterday, and there's many more on the way, Lord. So that we're in the season of, of union, Lord. 
So, oh God, may this morning, Lord, may we rededicate our life to you, Lord, like never before. Lord, may we, oh God, cry out before you this morning. May We need a new experience with you this morning, Lord. Not this evening, but this morning. We need it this morning, Lord. Oh God, drop down in this place, Lord. Oh God, meet each and every heart, Lord. Each and every need on the heart, Lord. You know everybody's life, Lord. You know what we're going through, the situations that we run into in life, Lord. We have questions, Lord, but we're not questioning you. But, Lord, we know that you have the answer to each and every one of our situations, Lord. So I pray, oh God, you go each and every heart this morning, Lord. Oh, God, as Brother Daniel comes out, Lord, may you speak to each and every heart, Lord. May we pull upon the gift. It's up to us to get what we have need of this morning. You're here, Lord. You're walking among us, Lord. If we could just reach out and grab what you have for us, Lord. Oh, God, give us that willpower to put ourselves aside, Lord, and draw from you this morning, Lord. Oh, God, we thank you for this time, Lord. We, we thank you for ministering to the prayer requests in advance, Lord. I pray for brothers, I mean, Sister Joan, Lord. Touch her in a mighty way. I know she'd want to be here yesterday and today, Lord. So I pray, oh, God, you'll give her an extra blessing, Lord, this morning, Lord. Touch her in a mighty way, Lord. The other knees, Lord. Sister High, she's gone away, Lord. Protect her. Oh, God, may she be a light to her people, Lord. And bring her back safely, Lord. Oh, God, touch each and every one of us this morning, Lord. Bless the song service. Bless the remain this day, Lord. I pray for Brother Daniel, Lord. Give him the strength, Lord. Uh, we was talking yesterday, yesterday, Lord, and, you, and he told me that the doctor said there's no infection, Lord. Oh, God, that's a miracle, Lord, because I know how Satan works on him. He tries to get in his way. He tries to hinder him, Lord. But, oh, God, you've given him the power and the strength to keep pressing on, Lord. Oh, God, touch him in a mighty way this morning, Lord. Give him strength, Lord. May you minister to him personally, Lord. Come down and touch him in a mighty way, Lord. Give him what he has need of to, to keep pressing the battle, to keep fighting the good fight of faith, Lord. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this time, Lord. Oh, God, may this service and this day be unto your name, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's great to be in church, isn't it? Amen. We'll sing this little song as we invite our pastor out. It's always an honor to call our pastor out to speak the word of the Lord to us. <clears throat> QG. I want to know how it feels to make my way down the streets of gold. I want to know how it feels to have a talk with the saints of old. I want to know what it's like to rest my feet by the I wanna know how it feels I wanna know 
make my way down the streets of gold I want to know how it feels Have a talk with the saints of old Oh, I want to know Oh, yes I do Oh, I want to know how it feels I want to know what it's like Rest my feet by the river of life Heard of heaven and I know that it's real. Wanna know how it feels one more time. I wanna know how it feels. Make my way down the streets of gold. I wanna know how it feels. Have a talk with the saints of old. I want to know what it's like I want to know how it feels I'm going to know how it feels Wanting to and experiencing is two different things. There's a lot of people want to go but ain't going to go. There's a lot of people that want to go and is going. And I believe I'm addressing people this morning that I'm going to meet on the other side. But I want to hear to tell you this morning, this ain't nothing new. This ain't nothing you ain't heard before. But when you make it, I'm not going to say if you make it, but when you make it, you're going to be battle scarred. And as I was studying yesterday, a thought come to me, and I thought, Lord, is that really you? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, Satan comes as an angel of light. He tries to, you know, pervert the word and tries to uh, make it say that it does, uh, things that it doesn't stay, say like he did to Eve. And so I began to look in deeper into the word, and I thought, Lord, that is you. That is you. And so... Uh, We'll go right into the word this morning. Certainly appreciated this weekend, and it was certainly beautiful. And and you remember Kyle and Ashley this morning, and hold them up before the Lord and the families coming together. And uh, as Brother Kevin said, it's a time of union, people coming together. We got weddings left and right. Uh, all kind of people get something in the water around here. People need to stop drinking the water or something. I don't know. Um, having babies and getting married. We're going to have to build a new church just for, for our own people. <laughs> Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. No place I'd rather be. Book of Deuteronomy chapter 32. <clears throat> I 
verse number 11. The Bible says, as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead them, and there was no strange God with him. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. You can be seated. You say, Brother Daniel, it's not very much scripture. It don't take much scripture. I want to speak to you this morning on the pathway to heaven is through hell. Some of you don't know whether to laugh or cry or get up and leave. You just, just hear the whole conclusion of the matter. Before Jesus could ascend to the right hand of the Father, he had to go to hell. Right? After his death, his crucifixion, going into the grave, he ascended into the lower parts of the earth and preached to the, uh, the people that repented not in the long-suffering days of Noah. And uh, so he had to have an experience of hell before he could ascend. Before he could ascend, he had to descend. Is that right? So when we look at this scripture here, and Brother Brandon preaches this, as the eagle stirreth her nest and fluttereth over her young, when you look at, at the, the concept here, and Brother Brandon mentions eagles many, 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 many times, and so does the scriptures, because they have quite a significance with Christians and with God. And when, when eagles come together and they, they, they mate, they have children, and they stay together for life, Something about eagles that they don't they don't swap partners. They stay with one for their whole life, and so when a male is is you know sees one that catches his eye, and you know in modern day language, you know she's hot. So he begins to pursue her. So for this. For this female, whatever they call a female eagle, I'll call her female eagle, she, she, she's going to put this male eagle to a test to see if he's worthy to be the father of her children. So she will ascend into the heights and she will carry in her beak or in her claws a rock or a stick or a small log or something of that matter and she will ascend into the heights and he's following her the whole way. And so when she gets to a certain point, she will drop it. And she will see his reaction. And if his reaction is the correct reaction, then she'll know he's the right one. And once she drops this stick, rock, log, whatever it is she has in her claws or in her, or in her beak, if she notices the him take a dive and goes down there and catches it out of the air, and then brings it back up to her, then he, she knows he's worthy to be a husband. Because she knows as a mother that one day she's going to have to kick her children out of the nest. And the first time she kicks her children out of the nest, they're not going to know how to fly. So somebody's going to have to be there to catch them. 
Now, remember when you first got saved? Some of you are too old to remember. I remember when I first got saved, I could take on hell with a water gun. You know, you wanted to tell everybody and you wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You was telling everybody at school and everybody at work and all your family. How many remembers? You wasn't ashamed. But now we're ashamed to pray over our, over our food. Amen. And in the beginning when we get saved, you know, and the, the eagle, sometimes an eagle will actually build a nest that weighs up to 200 pounds. And they will weave different sticks and, 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 uh, and all kinds of different things in to make this nest for the oncoming eggs that will one day be uh, eaglets. And then she will go down, her and him will go down and catch rabbits and, and different types of animals and then pluck the fur and line the inside of the nest and make it comfortable. Make it to where the, the eaglets don't want to leave. And so when they're born into this nest, oh my, it's so cozy, it's so comfy. You remember, everything was going good. And Brother Ram says, when you get saved, that's when the target is on your back. So after a season, see, you remember in the beginning when the, when the eaglets are born that mom and daddy goes out and kills an animal and will actually will actually eat the animal, and then when they come back to the nest, they will regurgitate, I don't mean to make nobody sick, but will regurgitate the food and then feed the, the eaglets by the food that they regurgitate. They don't start off with milk, they start off with meat. And so when, uh, when the time comes to where the mother feels like it's time for them to spread their own wings, she will slowly but surely start pulling fur out of the nest. And all of a sudden, one of the eaglets will walk around and step on a thorn. Oh, I don't remember that being there. Oh, it's time to test your wings. It's time to put your talons, your claws to use. So slowly but surely, not all at once, but slowly but surely she will start taking the fur and taking the comfort away from the nest to make it to where it's now uncomfortable, to make it now to where the eaglets want to leave the nest and fly out on their own. But remember, they don't know how to fly yet. They've got to learn how to use what's already been given them. See, whatever they have need of for their earthly journey is in them when they're born. They just don't know how to use them yet. They don't know how to use their claws. They don't know how to use their wings yet, but they're already there. So can you imagine, you know, a mother kicking her children out of the nest? And they're just tumbling head over heels down, you know, down the side of the mountain and here comes daddy. Just before they hit the ground, he catches them and brings them right back up because, see, they're not ready. But they're in training. 
They have to learn how to use what's already there. See, and the Bible says then the, 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 the mother eagle will flutter over her young. See, she's showing the eaglets how to use what they have. But it's not enough for mother to flutter her wings. The children have to flutter their own wings and use their own wings. You can't ride on mama's back. You can't ride on daddy's back. You can't ride on the pastor's back. You got to use your own faith. You got to use your own experience. There's too many message kids growed up on message pews that think they're going into the kingdom of God hanging on to mama's skirt tails or mama or daddy's coattails. It don't work that way. Mama's experience is good enough for mama. Daddy's experience is only good enough for daddy. The preacher's experience is only good enough for the preacher. The deacon's experience is only good enough for the deacon. You've got to have your own experience. You've got to learn through trials and temptations and, 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 and valleys and hard times and bad times and sad times and horrible times in life. You've got to learn how to use your own wings. And the wings of an eagle of an eagle were given to an eagle to rise above, not to not to drive them down, but to to you know one one flap of an eagle's wings will rise them a, a, a dozens of feet into the air. Just one flap will just rise them into the air. But see, you've got to exercise it. Having the wings is not good enough. You've got to use them. Let me go on. Having faith is not good enough. You've got to exercise it. People would come into the prayer line to Brother Branham. They would say, oh, I have faith. He said, if you had faith, you wouldn't be in this prayer line. You've got to exercise your faith. And if you don't exercise it, then it's not going to do you any good. You might as well not even have any wings. So when the mama kicks the eagles, it gets become so uncomfortable that, that even the nest that at one time was so comfortable and so warm and so cozy now becomes hell. Everywhere they turn, it's, it's pointy, it's sticky, it's, it's, it sticks, it's, it's uncomfortable. They can't sleep because everything is so uncomfortable. But see, but see, the eagles are training them. Mom and daddy eagle is training them that you've got to go out on your own. There was a time in my life at 15 years of age I had to go out on my own. I'm not talking about in the world. I'm talking about spiritually. I had to go out on my own and get my own experience with God. And my mom and my daddy had been training me all of my life. Son, you've got to know God for yourself. And there's too many, there's too much around the message that is being preached that young people think just because they go to a message church and just because the prophet was vindicated and just because they love him and he might have loved them, they're going to make it in. They're being told a lie. That's heresy out of hell. You must know him in the power of his resurrection. You must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Outside of that, you are on your way to a devil's hell. I don't care if you can quote every Bible verse. I don't care if you can quote every message book. It doesn't matter if you don't know the author. 
I don't care if you can quote a scripture, but if you know Jesus, that's all that matters. I can't quote the Bible. So if that's a if that's a criteria to get me into heaven, then I'm lost. I can't quote all the message books. Because God don't require that. He said, abide in me and I in you. He didn't tell us nothing about learning all the deep things of the mysteries of, of the scriptures. He didn't say nothing about all that. He said, you've got to know me. Paul says that I may know him. That's the one thing that I'm pressed toward. That I want to know him. That's the reason you realize why people are going to get kicked off into hells because Jesus will say these words, Depart from me, I never knew you. It's not that you didn't cast out devils. It's not that you didn't raise the dead. It's not that you didn't do all kind of miracles. It's not that you didn't quote the Bible. But you didn't know me. You knew of me, but you didn't know me. You knew about me, but you didn't know me. God help us this morning. When we get into a comfort zone, and it's it's easy to do, especially in the in the time that we're living in now, even with the economy the way that it is, uh, uh, under the neurotic president that we have, uh, it, it's still easy to get comfortable. It's easy to get comfortable sitting on a message pew. It's easy, it, it's easy to sit in a message view with somebody preaching the pure, unadulterated truth of the Word of God and sit there and backslide and go to hell. Because Brother Bram tells us about that log that half was in the water and half was on the bank. And the part that was in the water was the flowing stream. It rotted twice as fast as the part that was on the land. So you'll rot twice as fast in church as you will in the world. Because you're around things that are flowing. You're around life. You're around truth. But when you're just laying on the, on the bank, there's nothing around you but dead stuff. That's why people don't want to come to church because too many people are alive. They'd rather hang around dead folk. They like hanging around cemetery like legion. You know what's amazing that people are scared to death to walk through a cemetery? Then people ain't going to hurt you. It's them ones that are breathing. Them's the ones going to hurt you. We get in a comfort zone, don't we? We get to a place to where we don't read the Bible as much. Or at all. We get to a place to where we don't pray like we should. Or at all. Every now and then we'll skip church. Make excuse. I got a little sniff. I don't want to give COVID to nobody. Come on, bring it. Come on, bring COVID to church. I got a God that's greater than COVID. People use all kinds of excuses. 
to stay out of church. And see, what happens is, is it's their heart's desire not to go to church. If you have to make an excuse not to go to church, you didn't want to go. And then one, church, one, one missed service will lead to another. And then one, uh, another will lead to another. And before long, you're completely out of church. And then you're nestled back into the comfort of your nest. When the mother took all of that out so you wouldn't be comfortable, but what you have done is built your own nest that's comfortable. We live in an hour that there is so much technology, there's so much comfort, even in our vehicles, in our homes, uh, on our arms, on our sides. We've got technology everywhere that does everything but blow our nose. And we've become lazy. Technology does just about everything for us. Push a few buttons, you got a meal cooked. And now you don't have to push buttons, just pick up the phone, call DoorDash. Call Uber. Make them bring you lunch. Y'all getting quiet. I, I do remember a day to where there were families that sit down of an evening and have dinner around the dinner table. And talked about the events of the day. You know how people talk today? From one end of the house to the other. They're too lazy to get up and go talk to them face to face. They text them from one end of the house to the other. I've seen people text from one end of the table to the other end of the table. How lazy have we become? Boy, it's getting quiet. It's okay to own these things, but don't, least, don't let these things own you. There's nothing wrong with technology. There's nothing wrong with having nice vehicles with that talk to you and tell you all these kinds of things and tell you when you need gas. Back in the day, I had a gauge that told me when I needed gas. And it didn't tell me how many miles I had left. If the gauge was off a little bit, I was on the side of the road. They tell you everything. They've got so many computers and cars, it tells you everything. We've got so lazy. We've got so comfortable. And you know what, Satan? Because all these things are off the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They have the ability to be one or the other. And more people have made them evil than they have made them good. You see this right here? This can be one of the most vile perverted, evil things there are on the planet. A cell phone. But it can also save your life. It all depends on how you use it. And I'm going to tell you right now, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If you can't handle a cell phone that's got cellular data, get you one of those ones that only cause emergency. Don't let this send you to hell. I'm going to hit it again. Par parents giving these, these uh, unlimited data uh, 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 phones to their children with, with, with uh, you know, anything goes. 
There's nothing to stop them from typing anything into the address bar. Just handing it over to a 6, 8, 10-year-old. And then before long, they're wondering why their child is acting like a devil. And something as small as this, it don't have to be, you know, uh, some kind of a evil-looking demon out of hell. It can be something they carry in their pocket. But we come so comfortable, we got so comfortable, parents have got so comfortable, they don't want to correct their kids, they just let them do whatever they want to do. They ask for a phone, they get a phone. They ask for a tablet, they get a tablet. They ask for this, they get this. And all the time, the parents are ruining their children. Why aren't children asking for Bibles? Why aren't they asking for things of God? Because they're not seeing things of God in the home. If I'd have known it had been this quiet, I'd have prayed a little longer. This life that we live in, my friend, hell hath enlarged itself. Hell is all around us. In J.C. Penney in 1963, Brother Branham said, I was back in hell again. The pathway to heaven is through hell. We are living in hell. You go to work, you rub shoulders with people from hell. You go to the grocery store, you rub shoulders with people from hell. You go to school, you rub shoulders with people from hell. You better know where you stand with God. So many sicknesses and diseases that the doctors don't even know what to call them. They're just putting numbers and letters in front of them. Because they don't know what they are. And we have to go through some of these things. It's hell because hell hath enlarged itself and it has attacked the bride. Remember, 200,000 demons loosed uh, against the Jews. That part's been done. It's over. It's finished. The, Jewish is, uh, the Jews are a nation. Those 200,000 demons done their job. But Feast of the Trumpets in 1964, Brother Bram said those same demons turned and, and, and now are loosed on the bride. So if those demons put those, those Jews through a holocaust which was a literal hell. What do you think they're going to put us through? I don't know how many people after this service is going to want to be Christians. But I promise you, no matter what you have to go through in this life, heaven's going to be worth it. Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God. Because Paul knew himself about warfare. Paul knew himself the things that he had went through. He tells us the things that he went through. The beatings and the, the thrown in jail and the shipwreck and the biting of the viper and all the things that he went through. He went through hell. He went through hard times on the earth. But at the end of his journey, when they was fixing to cut off his head, his declaration was, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. Henceforth lays a crown of righteousness laid up for me. God did not withhold hell from Paul. 
God did not withhold hell from Brother Branham. Brother Branham did not live an easy life. No Christians do. That's why over uh, my whole entire life being in church, I have seen thousands and thousands of people come and go. Come and go. Come and go. I'm talking about even come to the altar, get baptized, and then six months later they're out in the world. Because the problem is they never did fully repent. There was still something out there that they wanted to do. Something out there still pulling on them. Brother Brandon was asked the question, why do these people seem to repent and then go back out in the world? He said, because they never did fully repent. Doors and door, Brother Ram said, you have to open every door of your life to make him Lord of your life. You can't keep no door closed to him or he's not Lord of all. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. I have, I, in that pool right there, I have, I have uh, uh, put down many uh, a dry center and brought up a wet one that didn't last. Because obviously the water don't save them. It comes from the heart. That's why Peter said, repent. That's the first stage of salvation is repent. And most people don't know what repent is. Well, I, I said I was sorry for my sins. No, that's not repentance. Repentance is you're going this way. Repentance is now I'm going this way. You got to turn around and go in the opposite direction. And let me tell you, friend, it's not easy. You're going to be, you're going to be fought tooth and nail to make that turn. Oh, but Jesus is going to help you. Yes, he's going to help you, but he's not going to do it for you. Because Brother Branham says he's not going to shove you down a pipe, come out on the other end and say, He that is that overcometh. He said, no, because you didn't overcome. If he shoves you down through a pipe, there was nothing for you to overcome. There is things in our life that we must overcome on our own. The question is, like I said last Sunday, how bad do you want it? Are you willing to fight hard enough and strong enough and long enough? Because I'm going to be honest with you, friend. I get weary of fighting. I get tired. There's times my flesh wants to give up. But here's something that came to me yesterday. An epiphany. You know, it doesn't matter what battle, what war, or what fight it is. Both sides are fighting. Or otherwise, it's not a war. So if I jump to the other side, guess what I'm going to be doing? If I go to the other side, I'm going to have to fight that side. If I go to this side, I'm going to have to be, either way, i got to be fighting. So why not fight for eternal life? Then fight for hell. You're going to fight either way. Sinners fight. Sinners struggle. Sinners are poverty stricken. Sinners are on food stamps. Come on church. It ain't just believers that have it bad. 
But the problem is they're fighting for one thing, we're fighting for another. And if I got to fight either way, I'm going to fight for eternal life. Whether you know my story or not, I'm not going through it again, but I've been through some fights. I've been through some battles. I've got some battle scars. And I ain't just talking about spiritual scars. I got a lot of natural scars. And I'm still pressing on. And I'm still fighting. What am I going to turn back to? Peter said, to whom shall we go? Where are we going to go to? Denominations? TV preachers? Blinky? Who are we going to turn to? Men that aren't even preaching the truth. I hope some of you are spiritual enough to realize what is happening in the world today with denominations and the Catholic Church. Daughters are going back home. Some of you ain't realized it yet. But because of the lack of preaching the true word of God and preaching the standards of the word of God and letting down on the word of God, they are going back home to mama. By perverting the word, by getting more people in the church, by perverting the word, by telling people what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear, they are going back to mama, but we're going back to daddy. I got a few, I got a few things and I'll let you go. I won't keep you long. My voice, my voice is leaving. When David was anointed king at 17 years of age, in 1 Samuel 17, God told Samuel, go down and anoint one of the sons of Jesse to be the next king of Israel because Saul had become an enemy to God. So he goes down there with the horn of oil. He has all, all but one son stand before him. And he goes down before each one. And Eliab being the eldest and the biggest and the strongest and the fastest. And Samuel looks at him and says, surely this must be. Because see, now you understand what Samuel is doing. Samuel is absolutely paralleling Eliab to Saul. Because Saul was head and shoulders above all Israel. So the one that Samuel picked was the one that was head and shoulders above all his brothers. So he's thinking like a man, not like a prophet. Oh, y'all quiet. And God rebukes his prophet and says, I don't look at man as you look at man. Because remember, my friend, Saul was not God's choice. Saul was the people's choice. So he goes down one by one, all down six of them. And God says, I've refused him, I've refused him, I've refused him. Well, he runs out of, of, out of sons. And he looks to Jesse, he says, you got one left? Do you have any left? 
He said, yeah, but, you know, he's out there tending the sheep, and he ain't much, you know, he's just a little ruddy fella. He ain't got much to offer. We will not sit down and eat until he shows up. See, because you have to understand, when others see a shepherd boy, God sees a king. So they called David. And they stood around waiting on David. And as soon as Samuel seen David, God said, that's the man that I've chosen. So Samuel anointed him with oil to be the next king at 17 years of age. And because of the jealousy rage in Saul's heart, because the women sang the song, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Jealousy began to rise up in the heart of Saul. And he tried to kill him twice with a javelin. So David begins to run for his life. You know the story. So David runs and slowly but surely men become to, they come to him as an army. And 400 men come to him. He's got a little band of men that are following him. Well, David gets tired. David actually comes to the point that he tells Abigail, one day I will fall at the hand of Saul. Now, I could look it up right here and read it to you. It's in the Bible because I have read it. Some of you read it too. He says, one day I will fall. I will die at the hand of Saul. And Abigail rebukes him. He says, you've been anointed. You're the next king of Israel. But see, David in his flesh had gotten so weary of running, 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 running. So he flees to Philistia. The Philistines, the enemy, the arch enemy of Israel. This is where he goes because he's looking. Are everybody with me? He's looking for another comfortable nest. Because he knows Saul's not going to cross that border. So he goes to King Achish and he says, do you have a small city maybe on the outskirts of your country that maybe me and my men could stay in? So he has his, his lackey to go out and look and, look and search. And he said, yes, we have such a city and it's called Ziklag. So King Achish gives the city to David and his men and his wives and everything that they have, and children and animals and everything else. In history, te- listen to this. David is the writer, the penman of the book of Psalms. 150 Psalms that David penned. But David lived in Ziklag, in the comfortable nest, for 16 years and never wrote one psalm. Because he was comfortable. He didn't have to write about his enemies pursuing him. He didn't have to write about his enemies trying to eat up my flesh. He didn't have to write about all the wars and the time Absalom come against him. He didn't have to write about all those things. He didn't have to write about nothing. Sixteen years passed without one psalm being written. Because he's at comfort. 
And when we get our, in our comfort zone, you know the first two things that go out of our lives? Reading our Bible and prayer. I don't care if you get quiet, I ain't done. Things start going good, money starts coming in, everybody's healthy, the, the bills are paid, the children are healthy, wives healthy, husbands healthy, everything's going good, we get comfortable. We have made our own comfortable nest and we have lined it with fur and we have lined it with lamb's wool. We have lined it with things that we can lean back and nothing sticks us. Nothing pokes us in the back. It's all comfortable. That's not the pathway to heaven. Because you'll lay in that nest and you will die and rot. Because if you don't have opposition, you'll never draw your sword again. You'll never fight if you don't have opposition. It is God's ordained will for you to have opposition. That's why he gave you a whole armor of God. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given it to you if he didn't think you was going to have to fight. For 16 years, David had it easy. Oh, but wait up. David, God's just biding his time. God's looking down and he's watching him. That boy thinks he's got it made. He's down there sipping whatever they sipped back then. I'm not going there because I don't know what they drank. It's sitting back there and Abigail and all his other wives, however many he has, bringing him his grapes and his, you know, fanning him. And hope some wives are listening. You hearing, but I don't know about her. <laughs> God's looking down and he's saying, okay, enjoy it while you can. Because I got something on the way that's going to rock your world. Be careful when you start feeling comfortable. Be careful when the fight begins to diminish. Be careful when you sheath your sword. Keep your hand on the handle. Because you're fixing to have to pull it again. Don't get relaxed. Remember one of the church ages, Brother Bram said it meant relaxed and aimed at. Relaxed. They become relaxed. And they was the ones that was aimed at. Do not get relaxed. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary as a roaring lion is seeking whom he may devour. Why do you think God chose those 300 men with Gideon? Because they were not relaxed. They was watching for the enemy. They was vigilant. They was sober. They was ready at any time to jump up, draw their sword or picture or trumpet what they had. Use what they had for a weapon, whatever they had to do. But those were the ones that God chose. And now in Laodicea, 
Everything has become so comfortable. We've got so much. We've uh, we've got so much science and technology, and so much things that make it easier on us to live an easy life. It's not tough. Now you you remember back in the days of John and Charles Wesley, when she had thirteen children, I believe it was, and she prayed three times a day. How many? Lately, have any of y'all prayed three times a day and didn't have a washing machine and didn't have a dishwasher and didn't have a microwave? Quiet in here. They didn't have the they didn't have the amenities that we have today, and still took time, made time. Made sure they got their prayer time in. Because you, let me tell you, friend, and it's more of a fight now than it was then. Because they didn't have 200,000 demons loosed against them. But we do. So the fight is stronger now than it's ever been. So be more sober. Be more vigilant. Uh, if, if anybody... Whoever you've sat under before, whoever you've heard preach has told you that the Christian life is easy. They lied to you. There's nothing easy about the Christian life. I've lived it since I was 15 years of age and it's not easy. Growing up in high school, I had so much ridicule and persecution because I was a Christian. Even being a boy. Girls have it worse most of the time than they did back then. Of course, today, boys get it as bad as girls do because you can't tell one from the other. This ain't Church of Christ. Y'all don't have to be this quiet. I'm scared to address certain people. I don't know where to say sir or ma'am, so I say, okay. Whatever you say, you, you just, you don't know, you can't tell. Oh, I can tell y'all some stories. It ain't edifying, but I can tell you some stories. This generation that we live in, my friend, has got so much that Satan has put in our laps to occupy our time. I just wonder, just in this room and those that are streaming, I just wonder how many hours were spent on social media just this week as opposed to how many minutes were spent in the word of God social media has crept into the message of the hour and be careful of that first word social because remember, Brother Branham says people wouldn't drink, but they would take social drinks. Oh, I'm not a drinker, but I will take a social one. What's the difference? If you're drinking alcohol, whether it's social or whether it's with a group, you're still drinking alcohol. And so people, they, they uh, when, when, back... Years ago, it was MySpace that come on, I think, first. It was MySpace, then it went to something else, and Facebook, and now it's, they got hundreds of them now, probably. I don't even know what the, all they are. There's all kinds of things that the young people and old people, old people do it too. 
middle-aged, all ages, they get on them things and act like a bunch of idiots. Put some of the dumbest pictures. Oh, y'all crazy. Y'all quiet because some of y'all's done it. And get caught up in it, and before you know it, you look at the clock, and you've been on it for two hours. And I just wonder if God has feelings. I wonder what it makes God feel like. I wonder if a tear isn't trickling down his cheek. They will spend their time in this, and this did nothing for them. But I gave my life for them, and they will give me nothing. I'm going to tell you, if you're a Christian and you belong to God and your nest hadn't been stirred, you better buckle up. Because when David got so comfortable, I'm going to end it with this. I'm not done, but I'm going to end it with this. When David got so comfortable in Ziklag for 16 years, never wrote one song. All of a sudden, King Achish sent word to David, said, I'm going to make war against Israel and I want you to go with me. And I want you to fight against your own countrymen. Listen, listen to me. 16 years he spent in that country. They had such a relationship that the king of that country trusted David to fight his own countrymen. Do not get so influenced by the world that they trust you or you trust them. Abstain from the very appearance of evil. Run from it. Get away from it. Can you imagine David, the next king of Israel, being so influenced and getting so tight with the king of Philistia that when the king told David, go with me, David said, you will know what your servant will do. What he should have said, said, no, sir. I am not fighting against my own brethren. But no, he'd got too comfortable. He'd got too lazy. He'd stop praying. David was a praying man. David was a singing man. David was a worshiping man. David was a praising man. But for 16 years, he'd lost all that. And during that time, he got all in with the Philistines. There weren't no Israelites around him. It was all Philistines. That's why believers are not supposed to marry unbelievers. Because one's going to bring the other one down. Listen, friend, don't get mad at me for preaching the word. Don't turn me off if I'm, if I'm quoting scripture. Be ye not unequally yoked. Because I've seen it over my time, friend, that nine times out of ten, the one that is not in church takes the one that is in church out of church. Because they get pulled and they get influenced. And they're around that atmosphere. Oh, this ain't going to send you to hell. This is just, this is nothing to it. It's simple. It's, it's, it's nothing to it. God, God, God's a loving God. God's a gracious God. God's a merciful God. He's not going to send you to hell for this. And then they start to compromise. Then they start to reason. 
And before long, they're backslid. And then after they're backslid, they're completely out of church. Just like David. When Achish, Achish said, I want you to go with me and fight against your own countrymen, David said, you will know what your servant can do. And they actually start marching toward Israel with David in the middle of the ranks. And God is orchestrating all of this because David had got too comfortable. God's speaking to somebody here this morning. Some people here this morning have got too comfortable. You've got too lazy. And you remember this, friend. He's coming as a thief in the night. You better be ready at all times. Brother Ram said, go ahead and plant your taters like he's coming in a hundred years, but you live like he's coming today. He got so involved with 16 years of pleasure and comfort in a comfortable nest. And now he gets yanked out of the nest. And now he's in a quandary. What am I going to do? Am I going to fight against King Saul and my brethren and some of my family still over there? What, do I, what am I going to do? I've got a choice to make. I've done told King Achish I would go with him. I'm a man of my word. I've got to go with him. So he's marching with him to fight against King Saul and the Israelites. And so all of a sudden the the advisors of the king of Philistia, of King Achish, comes to King Achish and says, What is this Israelite doing among us? And king Achish says, I know David. I trust David. David is my friend. But see, the advisors told the king, says, We don't trust him. Because in the midst of the battle, he may turn on us. And we don't want to take that chance. So why don't you go ahead and send him back to Ziklag? So King Achish, King Achish comes to David and said, David, now you know I want you to come with me and I want you to fight with me, but my advisors and my counselors have told me that they don't want you with us because they think that you'll turn on us in the midst of battle. So do you mind, David, would you just go on back home to Ziklag? Could you imagine the sigh of relief in David's heart? God spared me out of that one. But see, God wasn't done. On their march on the way back home to Ziklag, they see smoke in the distance. In the nest that David had built for comfort, God came down with a match. lit it on fire through the Amalekites and burnt the city to the ground. Took all the women, children, oxen, camels, sheep, everything, not so much as a dog was left in the city. Burnt to the ground. Be careful, my friend. You spend too much time in the nest that you have made for comfort. And you sit back and say, oh, I'm in the message. I believe the prophet. He's vindicated. I'm going to heaven. I'm on my way. But you ain't doing nothing. You ain't reading. You ain't praying. You ain't going to church. All you're doing is streaming. Did y'all get that on the camera? Did y'all get that on the camera out there at the camera? Huh? 
Too lazy to drive. I'll just stream this morning. No. Make it a sacrifice. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the blessing. So they top the hill and they see the city burned to the ground. Nobody left. Nothing left. Not even the dog. Nothing left. And all the men started dropping to their knees and crying and boo-hooing and oh, they're all tore up because all their family and everything they owned is gone. Now you remember David is the one that's in charge so you know what? Everything goes to the top. If something happens in this church that isn't exactly right, you know who everybody's going to come to? You're looking at him. I'm going to get to blame. When I didn't even necessarily have to do it. But because the people in this church reflect me, I'm the one they're coming to. So they went to David and they picked up stones. Oh, what a, what a turnaround from the nest of comfort. To all the men that came to him to be his army with hands full of stones. And said, we're going to stone you to death because you are to blame. You, you sought asylum here in Philistia. It was your fault that we've lost everything. You wanted to be comfortable. You was tired. You was weary from the run from Saul. We all get weary. But don't never go back to a nest of comfort. Don't never try to build you a nest of comfort. Because there's a reason why you was thrown out of the first one. To learn how to fly. See, David should have used his wings and flown above it. Y'all didn't hear that. David should have used his wings and known that he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. And not even worried about Saul. Saul couldn't kill him. If Saul would have found David asleep, Saul couldn't have killed him. Well, some of y'all, that went over your head because y'all know that David found Saul asleep. But if Saul found David asleep, Saul couldn't have killed him. Because he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. So why run? If you know that the prophet of God has anointed you to be the next king of Israel, why run? Running makes you weary. You get tired. You get out of breath. You get tired of fighting. You lay down your sword. You take off your armor. Oh, if I could just take a nap. That's when he catches you. Because understand this, my friend. The prophet of God said that Satan studies every one of us. And he knows all of our weaknesses. And we all get weak. But don't you ever take that armor off. Don't you ever take that sword off your side. Because just when Satan thinks he's got an opening, he's coming. But the minute you hear him walking across the floor, wake up. Draw your sword. Say, bring it on. I have been commissioned by God to cast out devils. I have woke up in the, you can believe this or not, I don't know how many people believe in the supernatural, you can believe this or not. I have woke up in the middle of the night and knew that there was a demon in my room. 
Like I said, I don't care if you believe it or not. Just let it go in one ear and out the other. I don't care. I woke up and I knew that there was an evil presence in my room. And, 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 and the first feeling is fear. Your flesh. I ain't talking about your soul. I'm talking about your flesh. It's like, oh, who's in here? Is a robber done broke in here? I ain't got much to steal, but what I got, I don't want him to take. And then you begin to realize this is more than natural. This is supernatural. And then all of a sudden I realize this is the enemy come to me because I'm on a road. I'm on a pathway that he don't want me on. I'm leading this church in a direction he don't want me to lead him on. He's trying to deter me. He's trying to get me off the path. He's trying to bust up my knees and bust up my shoulder, bust up my back and bust up everything else, trying to get the church off the track. But oh no, I'm getting right back up every time. Something rose up inside of me that wasn't me. And said, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you by the power of the blood of the Lamb. You've got no right. This is my house that God has given me. And I tell you in the name of Jesus to get out of this house and never come back. Gone. I'm not running from him. He's going to be the one running from me. And to give you one more story. I was in South Georgia hog hunting. And I was fixing, I may may have even laid down and started to go to bed. I don't remember how late it was, but it was pretty late. It was after dark. And my wife calls me. And she says, "Uh, you need to come home. And it's two, two and a half hour drive. And I said, what's going on? And you know, that when when Satan sees an opportunity when the head is not there, that's when he likes to try to come in. I said, what's going on? She said, I don't know. She said, but Alyssa is drawn up in a fetal position on the couch. Her hands are drawn up like she's got arthritis, and she can't move them, and she can't talk. She can't hardly move. She, it's, it's, it's like she's got some kind of a disease or something that has just attacked her body. And she's drawn up in a fetal position. And so I immediately knew what, what had happened. I knew what was going on. So I loaded up all my stuff. I got in my truck. And I left my angel in <laughs> South Georgia. You know, the one that follows you as you drive? I left him down there and I scooted as fast as I could possibly scoot up to Covington, Georgia. Don't get mad at me. That's my baby girl laying on that couch. I went in there, and I seen her. I seen her laying there. And what she was having was a severe anxiety attack that had literally crippled her. And so I knelt down, and this is bone of my bone, this is flesh of my flesh. And I knelt down, and I didn't pray for her. I talked to that devil. And I said, you found an opening, and you come in my house. 
while I was away. But I'm back. And I'm telling you, you've got to let her go. And I said a prayer, and I rebuked that thing, and I called it to deliver her. And I'm telling you, and she'll tell you that slowly but surely her fingers started to move. She started to come out of that. Well, I knew that that thing was leaving her. I run out the back door, and God bear me witness, I'll stand before the throne of God. I seen a human-like figure, a shadow of a human-like figure, crossing my back fence, going out of my backyard into the neighbor's yard. Now, I don't know what they dealt with him. The neighbors got him. He crossed my fence into the neighbor's yard, so whatever they did with him, that's their business. But I got him out of mine. And from that time to this, she's never had another one. You're not going to make it to heaven without going through some hell. Go ahead and expect it. Be ready for it. Be sober. Be vigilant. Be prayed up. You want to stay close to God? Pray and read your Bible every day. You'll find that your life will turn around. Your family will turn around. I don't know who's watching. I have no way of knowing who's watching. But not long ago, we had a situation in our family that ripped my insides completely out, tore me to my inner core. Some of you know what happened. Details. I was sitting on the second row yesterday after the wedding, and I knew that family member was there. Sometimes you don't know what to do. You don't know whether to approach them. You don't know if they're going to hit you in the face. You don't know whether they're going to cuss you out. You don't know. You just don't know what people are going to do nowadays. And I'm talking about family. Family's the worst ones. Or y'all quiet. Some of y'all ain't had trouble with family. Please come join mine. And so they brought me Lincoln, my grandson. And I was holding him there with Sister Lisa. And all of a sudden, I, I felt arms wrapped around my neck. And I looked over my shoulder, and there stood my son. And he said, Dad, I love you. Yeah, I'm here to tell you that these months have been hell. These months have been tough. You don't have answers for questions. Nobody does. So you know what you do? They that wait upon the Lord. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Come on, somebody. He's got it all in control. Whatever you're dealing with right now, just stand still. Just wait. Because if you ain't careful, you'll build another nest. You stand right there. He kicked you out of one. Don't you build another one. You stand right there in the middle of that hell and you say, you know what? 
I'm in the palm of his hand. Whatever happens is his perfect will. Because if I try to get involved, I'm going to make a mess of it. So you let him take care of it. And he'll make it perfect every time. He'll turn it around every time. I'm a witness. Let's stand. My time's gone. Well, I know that wasn't a shouting message, but I'm here to tell you that some people needed to hear that you're going to have to go through some hell to make it. If Jesus himself had to go to the lower parts of the earth before he could ascend to the right hand of the Father, before the Jews could go to their homeland, they had to go through a holocaust. And friend, I've studied the holocaust in more depth than I wished I had it. And if you have, I'm sorry for you. But if you haven't, don't. Some of the most cruel, evil, malicious, I don't know how many words you could describe these four men that they did to the Jews. The pictures of these people starved to death. And then when they died, they just took a bulldozer and pushed them into mass graves. I've seen pictures of literally thousands of wedding rings that they took off the bodies that they burnt in those gas chambers. Yet, our prophet says it was the tender hand of Jehovah. Now let me blow your mind for just a minute. What you've went through from when you got saved till now can you say it was the tender hand of Jehovah? You better. Because it was him that got you here. Whatever, how bad it was, whoever you lost in this life had to put in the ground. Whatever sickness you've been through, whatever sickness your family's been through, whatever financial difficulties you've been through, it doesn't matter what you've been through. God was in control of it all. The steps of a good man are ordered by God. And he's the one that brought you from there to here. So you better thank him for the Holocaust that you went through. And at the end of the journey, there was 144,000 in Jerusalem. The tender hand of Jehovah. And he took four men out of the river Euphrates. Scotland, Hitler, Mussolini, and Eichmann. They did some horrific, horrible, hellish things. Anointed of the devil. 200,000, thousand demons loosed against the Jews. And then once they was made a nation, they had accomplished what they were set out to do. Then they turned toward the bride. And now you and I are fighting those same demons that the Jews fought. And you know what the whole purpose of God allowing the Jews to go through the Holocaust was? To put them in the right position. Because he cannot reveal himself as Messiah outside of Jerusalem. And he cannot reveal himself to you outside of your position. So he has to take certain things in life that are not pleasant, that are not fun that are not positive, that are not good, 
to put you in the place to where he can reveal himself fully to you. Sometimes, my friend, the journey gets hard. The flesh is weak. That's Bible. But the spirit is willing. And when your flesh gets so weak that you want to quit, just hang on for just a minute because there's a seed on the inside that says, you didn't start it, you can't stop it. God put that seed there and God will bring it to maturity. And ain't nothing going to stop it. Give me the key of G. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Since I laid my burdens down, well, glory, glory, hallelujah. Since I laid my burdens down, well, glory, glory, hallelujah. Since I laid my burdens down, hallelujah, since I laid, well, I am feeling so much better since I laid my burdens down. Well, I am feeling so much better since I laid some form of hell at some time or another, but if that's what it takes, I'll do it. Amen. Don't want to miss it. Amen. We'll sing this. There's several verses on this one, so we'll sing this one. Then we'll be dismissed. Uh, service this afternoon at 430, so uh, be in prayer for the service. This afternoon, the Lord will strengthen our pastor once again. Key of G. <clears throat> this joy that I have. You know the world didn't give it to me This joy that I have 
what you want If you want the Holy Ghost Tell Him what you want Jesus on the main right now Oh, it's Jesus on the main line Tell Him what you want Jesus on the main line Tell Him what you want Jesus on the main line Tell Him what you want Jesus on the main line now Oh, cause He's an on-time God Yes, He is Oh, yes, He's an on-time God Yes, He is He may not come when you want Him He'll be there right on time He's an on-time God What you want? 